The first interview of season three could not have been anyone more perfect. This player has been crushing it, not just in the Slippy era, although there's been a spike, but slowly and steadily beforehand coming from the lesser known scene of South Carolina, absolutely dominating and showing what you could do with Marth on the East Coast. One of the best players to be innovating the game and just i cannot wait to learn from this person more today we have lsd how you doing hi nice to meet you i'm doing well (laughs) good to have Um, you thank you (laughs) thank you for having me on it's uh really really a pleasure uh i really looking forward to this yeah well the big thing coming up is summit right you have uh, a pretty large campaign going do you want to give the rundown on where that's at what's what's coming up etc Okay, so we're currently at 10,000 votes. I've hit three of my stretch goals, which is really nice. So now I've got to set another one. Um, at 15,000 votes, I am doing a full return to streaming and melee. So I'm going to be streaming every day. I'm going to be entering every melee tournament I can, basically going ham on it, uh, really pushing for number one. Um, and other than that, um, I still got to do my other stretch goals. I'm actually planning something really funny. Um, we're going to be doing like a... It's like a foam weapon <laughs> championship battle. Uh, basically, it's like fencing where if you get hit by a weapon, you have to give up a point, and every point you have to give me some votes. And we're gonna be doing it with some of the local players, so it's it should be pretty fun. It's gonna be like one v one, like a bracket. Um, and the winner might get a custom controller. I still haven't decided yet. But, wow. Yeah. Pulling out all the stops. Well, summit season is always insane, <laughs> and I'm always I'm I'm. It's such a pleasure to be any part of that, you know, from from my perspective. But yeah, it must be pretty crazy going through it. And um, how do you come up like, what what makes a good incentive, or is it just like you don't really have time to think about it too much? Like let's just start ripping things. An incentive has to be memorable. I think that's really the most important part. Like, if you think about it, I think possibly the most memorable summit incentive ever was Fang's Roach in the Ultimate Summit. I think it was one or two. But the the Roach and Ghost Pepper sandwich, that was, like, it was such a big deal that it, like, it became, like, a Twitter drama for a while because Leffen, like, posted about it and stuff. That's an example of a perfect, like, summit campaign idea because it's something, like, really weird and strange that gets people, like excited but also it starts like kind of a discussion yeah it's uh, like meme worthy like the i think the the most memorable was uh eating an a raw onion that's still you know that still circulates that's <laughs> like the, onion <laughs> yeah chew that's onion that's like the gold standard right now i think of uh of meme incentives but i like the noodle idea i think uh, i can't wait to <laughs> just catch wind of that <laughs> nonsense um, all the luck to you. Uh, uh, let's let's nail this interview and come out with the sickest look into your background we can get. Get you some votes. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's weird to hype up uh, <laughs> in, in a one on one interview, but let's go interview. Let's do it. Yeah. Exactly. God. <laughs> so so let's uh, let's just do a brief kind of overview because I think one thing we're doing as a as a particular segment, uh, you're entering the big one. That's, I think you're obviously going to try to um, 
qualify through it. You're at that skill level, of course, but you're covering all your bases with the voting. I think that's really smart. Um, but the big one's coming up, and we're doing another content piece where we're asking the top players to answer some specific questions. So mm-hmm. um, that's going to be kind of the second half of that. So there might be some crossover, you know. We're kind of winging it a little bit, but um, I want to talk specifically about um, your... Uh, let me ask you this. What was the first tournament that you went to? 2012 in North Carolina. It was a brawl tournament, I think, called Brick House Showdown or something. I remember it because it was Dr. PP at the time. He was there. And it was crazy. Like, I didn't know who he was because I was literally, like, 10 years old at the time. But um, seeing everyone crowd around him was just, like, really inspirational. And the first Melee tournament I entered was, I think it was called Turtle Smash uh, in South Carolina. Uh, I was 13 at the time. And I think I got, like, fifth place or something. It was really nice. Um, but... Everyone was hyping me up. It was like so. That was one of the most fun tournaments in my life, and I felt really welcome. So it was nice to have like a good start to getting into the community. Yeah. Wow. Thirteen, and you got top eight at least. Yeah. That's that's super dope. Um, you're playing Marth the whole time. Yes, I was playing Marth. All right. You got a good choice, I guess. In <laughs> at that era, you had um, a lot of people repping the character pretty well. So that's that's good. You didn't start off with Mario or any nonsense. It was Muta King. It was it was always Muta King that was like the one that was inspiring me. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we actually that's one of the questions we have for later. So let's we'll revisit that. Um, <laughs> so you're you're coming up 2013. You're kind of uh, very young. I'm I'm sure compared to everyone else. Were there any any players that were around your age, or were you just the young kid? I was the youngest. Everyone there was in their 20s for sure. Um, and it was really funny story. Uh, I just entered it as my name, but my local scene, like, I was winning. There's, like, a, a recording of it. It's, like, a phone recording of everyone cheering me on. And they gave me the title Android 13. So that was actually my first tag was Android 13. Like, And it wasn't even, like, I didn't even come up with it. It was just community given to me. And they just started entering me as Android 13 at every tournament. <laughs> <laughs> when did, when did I eventually, that I eventually aged out of being 13, so I had to change. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I had to change the tag. <laughs> To, um, LSD, which is my initials. Yeah, um, sick initials, by the way. That's such a freebie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a really cool tag, honestly. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's weird. It's a little bit of like, a, all right, this guy um, trips in the woods. If it wasn't your initials, so you have that plausible <laughs> deniability that works really well. The only problem is that sponsors are a little bit iffy about it, but I think eventually they'll come around. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, well, great. So you're coming up, you're the young kid, you're changing your tags away from things you didn't choose yourself. Um, what was? Do you remember the first tournament you placed first? There was this one tournament. It was called Low Country Showdown. I was number six or something on the PR at the time. And it had like a $400 pot bonus. And at the time, I was 15, I think. Um, and there was a lot of people there. And I remember there's this one set that's really infamous because I think it's actually the first ever recorded Marth versus Falco ledge timeout. Everyone knows the Mita King versus West Ball's ledge timeout, but there's actually a recorded ledge timeout of that set on YouTube um, from like several years prior. Um, but I did that in winter semis, and then I won the whole thing. I remember just like. I got like a like a an envelope full of money, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can do this for a living! <laughs> like this is good." Word. And I, I was just hooked from there on. Like I had like 
I became number one in the state, and then like I wanted to play on the worldwide scale. It, it was very important to me. Yeah, wow, that was um that that's been a journey since then. So we're in, we're in twenty fifteen. I know I'm kind of breezing through this because I'm really interested in you know in the meat of of your career, right? So after mm-hmm. that point, uh, twenty fifteen and, and onwards, I know that I personally was uh, kind of in in some of those Carolinas chats starting in about 2017 um because i did a little road trip and, and was down there no south carolina north carolina was um a little more populated as i'm sure uh, yeah north carolina is definitely a better state <laughs> um so so you're in south carolina and you're i'm sure you're traveling a lot like a lot of players in that region just you, you gotta go to georgia you gotta go wherever the the tournaments are um is that the case? Were you traveling a lot? And if, if you were, how? I was traveling constantly just like to play like good players because there's no top 100 players in my state. Uh, there's no one even close to that level. So it was like I had to like, if I really want to start playing like those people, I had to go out of state. So I went to Georgia a lot. Georgia was definitely a big one. I went to North Carolina a few times. Um, I went to Tennessee um, for Etsucom, which was a pretty big tournament at the time. Um, How'd you get there? Who was driving? So, uh, my local scene, Charleston, actually has, a, like, a lot of people who are super-duper supportive of me, like, like growing into my own as a player. So, they, w- they would, like, drive me to tournaments and, like, play. Oftentimes, it was the Smash 4 and Ultimate players that I was going with. So, I would be, like, the only Melee player, and I would be in a car full of, like, Smash 4 Ultimate players. Because my scene is actually really big for Smash 4 and Ultimate. Uh, and they're actually pretty competitive at the, um, those games. Hmm. Um, so, it... It really was me just going with ultimate players at the time. And they were probably, like, a little younger on average, right? So that kind of makes sense, too, or am I completely off there? Uh, they were still in their mid-20s. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, was, I was looking for some connection. I, that wasn't there. But, okay, that makes that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're, from my experience so far, pretty pretty likable, pretty easygoing. Um, but you were also a kid when you started, and I'm, I'm wondering – you know, this is kind of off, off a little bit into the beaten path. How do you feel melee played into your formative years? Because you did start at a time for me was very like I was all over the place and trying to find who I was. Right. So how did how did the game influence that? So this is actually a pretty personal story, but um, I had very very severe autism. Um, I, w- I was functional, but, like, socially, I was very, very, very stunted. Um, I had trouble, like, talking to people, even. And melee tournaments were really the first place where I felt like I could be myself and I was connected to other people. Um, so how do I feel about uh, how melee played into my formative years? I think that it was... It allowed me to be a part of something, and I think that is one of the most beautiful things someone can have. Um, I would not be here today without without Melee. I was very, very depressed. Um, but yeah, I Melee basically saved me. It was... I finally had somewhere to talk to other people. I had somewhere to, like, fit in. Because I, I never really, like, when I go to school or whatever, I was never really, like, popular. Um, I just kind of kept to myself. I wasn't, like, unpopular, but I was just kind of, like, kept to myself. 
But um, in Melee, like, I felt like I belonged. And the lessons it has taught me through having to better myself as a person to continue competition to learning to deal with, like, salt and learning to deal with the depression of losing and that kind of thing has really taught me so many lessons about myself, the people around me. Um, I think what Melee is to me is it's like a mirror that I can look at myself honestly and and see, like, if I put in the work, I can do something. So, yeah, that's how Melee shaped me. It provided a mirror to look at myself honestly, and it's irreplaceable for that to me. Ooh, wow. That was a powerful answer. Thank you. I, no problem. <laughs> I relate to it. No, I, I, I relate to it in a lot of ways, and um, it's really... It, it's really validating um, to hear someone say why it's so, or, or all the all the benefits you can get from a children's party game, because sometimes <laughs> it feels really weird to to feel an attachment and feel such strong positive emotions. Sometimes it's a lot of negative emotions too, but such strong maybe positive is the wrong word, but overall beneficial or profound emotions with a game that's you know made when we were children you know and uh it's it's really nice to hear someone someone else explain how important it is and and the overall value that came out of it i mean shit losing losing in this game uh has been such a powerful motivator not just to improve or to practice more but to come to terms with those emotions and to have to accept them. And, and that is just so strong for us as people overall, you know? I think um, what we have to remember about Melee as players is that Melee is played by people. There's always another person operating the character on the other end of the screen. And they've had like all of their hopes and dreams and ambitions, like they're expressing it through that character. And I think, in a way, Melee is like a game of Melee between two players who have really dedicated themselves to it. It's very, it's almost intimate, is the best way I could describe it, where it's like you're kind of, you're seeing aspects about someone that like, are being forcibly revealed to you, that maybe like, they like, don't even know about themselves. Like, maybe someone is like, really desperately hoping to win. Um... There's a lot riding on the line for them. You can feel that in their gameplay. Um, I always, there's a quote, I, I, I always say this about Melee, but it's, I say that Melee is a very empathetic game. Um, reading someone is about feeling how they feel. Every Everything in the game is just about, it's about the fact that there's two players. Yeah. And I, I think it's very, very social. Dude. And I think that, that sociality was really what, brought me out of my show you are you're you're uh digging at some real real cool stuff here i i want to follow this if you don't mind i want to sit on this topic uh mm. this is the juice and and will and i uh wasabi and i in our uh normal weekly episodes talk about this all the time and just to tie you in on something that we've been talking about this week is exactly that right it is the empathetic side of it i love melee as an empathetic game um because you know, if you think about the mind, body, and soul framing of, you know, who we are, 
um, it's uh, there's a lot of focus on the body or, or the tech skill and the execution, right? Or the mind, which is technique and studying the game, coaching perhaps. But the spirit... Follow me on Metify. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but the spirit is kind of um, less uh, tangible. It's, it's a little more difficult to... Um, kind of put to words and put to practice things that can help you in a side of your game that is that empathetic side is is the like we're not robots with algorithms we are people with experience and that is such a rewarding thing I, I i think that's my leading that's like the top of my triangle right if if we're thinking of those three it's the true enlightened player is a master mind body spirit but we're all on our journeys, right? And so, you know, in, if we want to stick to that framing, I want to ask you, when you were coming up and improving and looking to improve, where where did you start on that kind of trichotomy? Is a dichotomy with three points? Is it just uh, the relationship between how you practiced, how you um, studied, and how you self-actualized? Does that make sense? Is that a question? Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're asking. So if you're asking me where I would place myself on the mind, body, soul in regards to my practice, mm -hmm. um, I think I'm, I was a very body-based player because all I really had was CPUs to play against. I didn't have any players in my area. Sure. So I would just practice like uh, doing like rote um, work with um, punishes. That's really the thing. Um, I was inspired by Music King because he has a very similar story to me. Um, right. And I, I practice in a very similar way to him. I would spend like ten hours a day, going like beating up CPUs basically, wow, and trying to kill them off of one hit every time. Um, and yeah. that's what I would do. I would do that all day. So um, I still I still do. I still love playing against CPUs. Um, yeah, makes sense. So so coming up with that and and that being like a strong foundation for you, did you ever experience? Um, the gaps in your knowledge and, and I'm sure pivoting into um, winning locals and, and starting to travel to like finding the players that would beat you. What was that experience like? Like what, what, what did you have to do to get to the next gear, maybe 2015, 2016 era? To move forward past that, I think the best way I can tell you how I did that is through telling you of, I it's a term that top players often use in melee. You know, hear a lot of them talk about this if you listen to them. And it's um, it's the concept of real melee, which is the melee where you are not just executing; you are thinking about what the other person is doing. You are empathizing with their actions and like reading their emotional state um, to determine your decision making. It is. Uh, actively using conditioning principles, that kind of thing. And I didn't have any of those. I was what you call a cheese player because <laughs> I would just chain grab you and I would just punish my way to winning, even if I lost neutral a bunch doing it. <laughs> um, what it really took was active study. I would study VODs. That became my new, like, Music King kind of <laughs> study regimen was... Since my punish could be improved by playing CPUs, but my neutral couldn't, I would study neutral by just watching videos of good players and then shadowboxing and doing that. 
And what this does for you is invaluable to me. In the Sleepy Era, it's really easy to just go on unranked and play mindless games forever. Mm. Um, having the grit to sit down and play nobody, just play solo practice. It builds your character to the point where like, you need that kind of determination in order to succeed as a top player. Like, you need to be able to just sit there and grind a single ledge dash maneuver for hours. You need to be able to do that kind of thing. If you really, really, really want to be at the top level. Um, and I was okay with doing that. I had that determination. I had that level of drive in me. I wanted to be number one. I dreamed about it every day. I would cry about it. Um, but past a certain point, what playing other players gives you is insight into how the best way I can say it is how people think and why they do the things they do. So playing CPUs can give you the what of what people are doing. Playing humans will give you the why. So you'll you'll kind of start to see like, oh, when people feel threatened by an option, they will move in a certain way. They will react to people react to stimuli in very specific ways. And a lot of people react to stimuli in the same way. Uh, and that's what I started to notice as kind of the fruit of my labors in regards to video analysis is seeing how people react to stimuli. Wow. So that that carries kind of well into the the overall theme here. It's it's you go from a very body and tech skill oriented start, uh, which I think is a lot of players. That was me as well, especially as a fox main. I just liked wave shining in the beginning. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I want to wave shine all the time. Um, and then, so it seems like your pivot and and. From my perspective, um, I took a different path here, which is I'm happy to speak to someone with a different experience um, and Will's the same way. But to go into study and to, to go that mind route, uh, because the two of those, you know, if you are really in tune with, as you said, the, the why of your opponent and then you could execute after it, that's incredibly deadly. Now, I'm going to ask you in terms of your melee spirit where do you think you are now where and and what changes have developed over time if if mine was second have you uh started to look at that third part or is this something that only i think about and no one else thinks about it the same way so i'm going to tell you something that i think is valuable to me when you are a mid-level player you're a body-based player when you are a high-level player you're a mind-based player when you are a top player you are a soul-based player if going based off that mind body soul um what you need to learn at the like the lower to mid level is execution um getting things down your movement for example that kind of thing the basics the fundamentals once you get to a high level it becomes about your strategy so your game plan becomes the focus um then when we get to the top level game plans become loose they become undefined and they become about like giving yourself leeway to Think about what the opponent really wants and how they're feeling and use it against them. I love that answer. Yeah, that, that captures everything perfectly. Um, so just to, to round it out, what do we do as, as lowly, <laughs> I like to call myself a mid-level veteran player. Uh, what do we do when we, you know, understand what it takes to get better, but it's hard to internalize or feel what it means to be a top player. What are the challenges in, in front of, honestly, all of us except for the top 
10 even what, what what challenges lay ahead of us from your perspective to become a top player you are going to have wanted to quit more than most people have ever wanted to try um you it's going it's dark it's very lonely oh uh, yeah i hear that um i don't know if i should be giving this away but in the top player discord there is a channel dedicated to depression mm. <laughs> specifically from like melee yeah. and that kind of thing like the, the struggles of like that kind of um, growth it takes a lot and of sacrifice what you have to do to be a top player is you have to be willing to destroy every single aspect about yourself and build it back up over and over and over again until like <laughs> you are entirely like calluses. <laughs> That's like the best way I can say it. <laughs> you have to be immune to you have to be immune to getting losing a comeback. You have to still be in the set. Um, I played Magi um, at the Gale Summit too, and what happened was I was up two one. I was up three stocks to one. I lost. After that, I was I was pissed. I was really mad. But what makes a top player is what you do in response to that. And what I did in response to that was I took a second. I took a breather. I thought about what I was doing wrong, and I got back into it. I got over myself. I got over. I, to be a top player, you have to play every game like it's the first game of the set. You have to play every stock like it's the last stock of the set. You give me some really good clips, by the way. <laughs> yeah, these are very, <laughs> very concise little observations. You you obviously think about the game a lot, um, and it's it's really great getting to hear kind of where your mind goes and some of these higher level concepts. Shit, yeah. You, it's it takes a lot more than just um you know drugged fox lessons huge shout out shout out to drug fox lessons i mean that'll, I love Sammy. <laughs> that'll, that'll get you i mean w without much work outside of it if you just if you grind tech skill and take drug fox lessons and enter a tournament once a week you'll get to the top of mid-level with like guaranteed uh well I, I guess what we're talking about here is like that that final plateau or series of plateaus or more like a treadmill that's up that's up here and you have to stay with it and get forward it's a it's a grind um and so huge kudos obviously for your efforts but um i want to hear like we're about to go into a little more segmented a little more specific questions here um where where do you stand now with the game how do you feel about your career um what's your perspective on kind of maybe the new era of melee as tournaments come back or just where your life where you want to go these next couple of years like what's your long-term perspective right now i am going to be number one in the world i am not saying that as a hope i'm saying that as a fact um that is not due to some form of like believing that i am titled to winning that is not due to me believing I'm currently the best in the world. That is due to knowing that I have the drive and determination to continue practicing when other people would quit. I have the drive to want to quit, <laughs> say I'm going to quit so many times and then come back because I cannot get enough of this game. 
game is everything to me. <laughs> but I have been doing other things in my life to kind of balance it out. Um, I paint. I write a lot. I play ping pong. I, I like doing like other things to kind of balance it out because if you play melee too much, you get stagnant in that like your habits become cemented <laughs> and you lose the kind of freeform creativity you need to succeed. So I, I, I had to keep continue taking breaks and then coming back and then take breaks and come back. I think that's probably the best path to improvement for me is um, playing like really hardcore and then taking like a break and then playing really hardcore and then taking a break, that kind of thing. Love that. Yeah, that's that comes up with us a lot. We talk about breaks and, and balance and capacity all the time. Uh, freaking love it. So I'm actually going to just call this uh, one segment. We're going to take a quick little break and uh, we'll be right back with some pretty dope questions. No problem. And we are back. So we're going to do a little chopping of this section, but for our 1v1 listeners, this is something we're recording for the big one. All the top players are going to be asked questions, and I guess if you're watching this, you're getting a little sneak peek into what's probably going to come up throughout the tournament. But we're going to just get it in now and uh, and listen to some sick answers. Are you ready, LSD? I am ready. All right. What is the biggest misconception you've heard about yourself? The biggest misconception I've heard about myself is actually people confusing me for another player. Uh, LSDX, who's a Roy player. I get that all the time. But basically, no, I do not play Roy. <laughs> I do play Roy under the tag, don't quiz me, uh, as a slightly less <laughs> graded version of don't test me, but <laughs> I am not LSDX. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Keep it going. Why did you become better than other players who started at the same time as yourself? I got better because I was willing to practice things other people found boring. So when other people started like going to tournaments and they got all the easy practice with like good players, some of them did get better, but that actually gives you bad habits in terms of studying. So, in terms of studying, you should be doing so much solo practice. Um, and I, th I think a lot of people are actually very, very bad about that. They don't do enough solo practice. I think, for sure, my solo practice is the reason why I got better quicker than others. I was very dedicated to practicing one technique over and over and over again until I got it down consistently. Dope. Adds up. Uh, next question. What was your most difficult plateau to work through in order to improve? My most difficult plateau was actually when I was almost top 100 level, but not quite. Um, it's a funny story, but I did not have any top 100 wins for like the first six years of me playing. Everyone else in my state playing melee had top 100 wins. There were unranked players in my state that had top 100 wins before me, and I was number one. Because my tournament anxiety. I, when I, whatever, I would get to a tournament, I would start, like, shaking. And when I was shaking, I could not play, I could not press a button, I was sweaty, I was nauseous. 
when I got my first top 100 win, I popped off so hard I ran out of the venue and ran half a mile. <laughs> I was so happy. And once I got the first top 100 win, I got straight up 20 <laughs> in the year after that because I had gotten over that barrier, which was my first top 100 win. I could not get that top 100 win for the life of me, but I finally got it. And it was Vortex at Super Smash Con 2019. <laughs> Good old Vortex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he was... it was 92 at the time. <laughs> Love Ben. The uh, the classic chic Ben. Now there's another. Mm. All right. Let's keep her on. Beautiful answer. Besides seeing friends, what are you most excited for with the return of offline tournaments? With offline tournaments, I'm most excited for the change in culture around the game. So people don't realize it, but sitting down at a setup next to another person is the social experience that I think the Smash community has been missing in the netplay era, specifically in terms of how we interact with other players. There's a level of respect for other players that I feel like is missing. You kind of have to respect the person that is sitting next to you, but if it's just a character being controlled behind a screen, it's really easy to forget that there's another person playing the game with their own aspirations and practice routines and that kind of thing but i'm excited for the return of a more respectful culture in terms of the work that people put in towards getting better at the game i'm such a huge advocate of hard work love that next question who was your biggest mentor in melee and why my biggest mentor was a man named mutu king because he was awesome. He was a robot, and I loved that. I loved that, like, someone with Asperger's, like myself, could succeed on the highest level. And he was himself so openly. It was really amazing to see. It inspired me to open up, too. Uh, other than that, his style of very, like, technically consistent Marth was something I aspired towards, and I built my training routines after getting that technical consistency. That's why I do so much reaction tech chasing nowadays, because I really admire the level of perfectionism um, he puts into the game. I think it's very valuable towards our status as competitors in like an eSport. If you think of Melee as an eSport, it really gives us some legitimacy how hard he has to work for it. Um, other than that, I really just appreciate seeing someone who works hard succeed. I think that's the best feeling in the world to see. I love seeing hard workers thrive. <laughs> Great. Love that. Keep it going. Which other player that uses your main has the most potential? The Marth player with the most potential is Kadoran. Let me tell you about a certain Marth main named Kadoran. Oh my god, that man has a practice routine that puts me to shame. He watches Jesus, they're all day doing the same Fox Edgeguard. It's amazing to watch. I absolutely love it. And I think that level of dedication is going to get him so many results in the future. We're already seeing it. He beat Plup. He's beaten so many good players. He got, like... Invited to the SCL um, weekly, right, not weekly, but the SCL event, I guess you could say. And honestly, I respect Kadoran so much. I think he's better than me currently, 
and I think he deserves to be better than me currently. Wow. Very respectful. I love that. Uh, next question, about halfway through. Who do you want to beat this tournament and why? Um, I'll, I'll just say it's probably hard to know because we're so early on in registration. We're only four days behind registration or something. Um, who do you want to beat in tournament and why? I want Axe to play Pikachu and I want to destroy him. I want to absolutely body him to prove that Marth can beat Pikachu because I haven't seen a single Marth beat Pikachu in years, like seven years almost. Nobody. Zane is 0-11 or something like that versus Axe. It's incredible. And I want to be the first Marth to actually beat Axe. I think that would be insane. I want to beat Zane <laughs> for the reasons that I want to be able to say that I beat the best Marthman in the world, obviously. But mainly because I think Zane is another player with incredible work ethic that I would love to be able to beat um, because it shows that the path that I'm on with my work ethic is valuable. And if it's not valuable, if I lose to Zane and I can take some things from his practice routine and add it to mine. Uh, the third player I want to beat this tournament is... I want to beat S-Fat. And I've beaten S-Fat before. I have three out of S-Fat before. But S-Fat is... Um... He's a player that is a gatekeeper in that he will adapt to you and he will figure you out over the course of multiple sets. I respect that a lot about him. I love that he plays what people would consider real melee and that it's all about his conscious adaptation. And I think that's a very valuable skill that if I'm able to beat him, it would show that I have it too. If I'm able to beat him over multiple sets, then it means that I have the same level of adaptation that he does. And that would be very, very good to my status as a player. The fourth player I want to beat is S2J. Uh, mainly because S2J has been trash-talking me on a stream for so long. It's just, I really want to show that I can do it. I've beaten S2J before, but I want to do it in a convincing fashion in a best of five. I think that would be really, really nice. And it would show that I'm improving versus Falcon, which was my weakness matchup for so long. The fifth player I want to beat is Aklo. I want to beat Aklo really bad because I'm not going to lie, I don't like the way Aklo plays, so I want to show that it's not viable at a top level. And I want him to change, and I want him to become better in response to it. I think if I really beat Aklo, then it'll inspire him to be like a more well-rounded player in terms of both offense and defense, balancing the two. Um... And I think it would be good for both of us. So sick. Thank you for for getting all five and having them all be completely dope answers. Keep it going. What have you been working on most recently in your gameplay? What I've been working on most recently is crouch canceling. Because Zane has been so good about it for so long, and I realize that's actually the key to why he wins. He's able to use crouch canceling to, over the course of a game, prevent the opponent from getting major openings to the point where even if he isn't getting major openings, he's still able to just edge you out over the course of the set. It's absolutely wonderful to see how he's able to play such a long-term game plan with crouch canceling. I think it's something that I really need to add to my gameplay because I've been neglecting crouch canceling for a long time. Sweet. 
What aspect of your game do you think is most underappreciated or not noticed? The aspect of my game that's underappreciated is my microspacing with shield stops. It's hard to see because I shield stop so quickly, but I use shield stops to position Tipper Ferris in places where not even the best players in the world are. I think my microspacing is honestly better than Zane's at this point. Zane's game plan is far beyond mine, but my microspacing is the best in the world, in my opinion. Specifically because I am able to use shield stops, and the player that really inspired me to use shield stops was PewPew. I think PewPew was a genius in that regard. I love how he uses shield stops. I love that he encouraged other people to use it too, because I think it's a very valuable tool for getting the maximum use out of your drift and for really spacing your fares in places where normally it would be hard to not fly into the opponent and get shield grabbed. Amazing. Ugh, so good. Um, I know I'm like pumping you up a lot. It's just, I just see, I'm like, that That would go so good here. I'm just getting way ahead of myself. Okay. Uh, let's, right. <laughs> let's keep it rolling. So, great. This might be a little repetitive, but what do you think is your biggest... You know what, let's skip that one, because you already kind of answered it. But your biggest strength, I, I don't think we'll get a better answer than that, unless you want to just run it. Can I talk for a second about my Lord and Savior reaction tech chasing? Yes, let me, let me, let's do it proper. I love it. What do you consider your biggest strength in the game? My biggest strength is reaction tech chasing. I love it. I think that no one uses it, and it's so crazy to me, because... You can get consistent zero to death on Falco. You can get consistent kill confirms on many characters through reaction tech chase and Uppy, for example. Um, but it's so underutilized. I don't know why people don't use it. F throw and down throw tech chase. Kodora has started to use it, but he doesn't use it nearly as much as me. And he switches to up throw very early. I think, honestly, the problem is that people see how hard it is to execute consistently and think to themselves, this is a bad option. But we said that about pivoting. We said that about shield dropping. We said that about so many things like multi-shining. This is too hard to do consistently. We'll never get this down. And I want to be the person who shows that, yes, this is a consistent thing that you can do. And you should be doing it even if you think that humans can't do it right now for whatever reason. Nice. All right, a couple more. What are your, <clears throat> what are your melee goals for this year? My melee goal for this year, the big one, is to attend Smash Summit and win. I, I really want to do that. I've been grinding like so many hours every single day in secret to win this thing. I grind all the time with top players. I don't enter stuff, but I've gotten a lot better than I was before I left. And before I left, I was top 20. I think I have a real chance at winning the whole event if I play my best. So... My goal is to win Smash Summit. Um, my other goal is to get my crouch canceling to a level where I think that I'm actively able to use it as a tool in my gameplay. Uh, and my other goal is to learn the reaction tech chase versus more characters. So I want to start using it more against Marth and Falcon. Because Falcon is actually the character that like usually people think of as being easily reaction tech chaseable. But his reaction tech chase is very, very hard in the reactions due to some of his tech animations being completely ambiguous. Great. Okay, two more. What does it mean to be a great player? 
to be a great player, it means that no matter what, you are always in the game. And what I mean by that is you could be down one stock to four. You are in the game. You are winning. This is your zone. I think about that a lot. Um, when I There's a set I had recently with Ginger where it was game five. I was down one stock to three and 80%. He misses a downer, and I think to myself, I am going to win this set. And then I win. I reverse three stock him. Um, I have a set with Moki. It's online, too. Where I'm down four stocks to two, 100%. I'm getting edge guarded. I do a perfect up B edge cancel as a recovery. I think to myself, I can win now. And I win. What it means to be a great player is to know when the moment for you to win is there and to jump on it instantly. And don't let go of it until you've won. When I think about playing top players, like IBDW and Zane and that kind of thing, what I say to myself when I'm playing them is, this guy just does not let go of me. <laughs> he keep continue When they get an opening, they continue pushing it until you are dead. <laughs> and I think really being able to seize on to the single moment you have to win against those kind of players and holding on to it is what it takes to be a great player. Whew. All right, last question. If your ego could speak without inhibition, what would it say? To all the top players in the world, your practice routines are not enough. I will catch up with you. I will reaction tech chase you. I will beat you. And you are going to feel bad about it. You're going to think it's cheesy. But when I do it five times in a row, you're going to have to adapt and become a better player. And when you do that, when you become that better player and you are able to beat me again... I want to hear thank you. Oh, oh! Uh, I don't know if you're into like dance music, but you ever hear something so gnarly that your body tenses up? <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Ooh, that was killer. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna make it to summit. If it's gonna be voting or if you're gonna crush it at the big one, but man, you gotta get there. I I am pulling for you. LSD came in and look, we actually have another 15 minutes. So let me just take a breather. Let me take a quick <laughs> breath. And um, I'm going to be with you in just a second. But to, to anyone listening, we're going to we're going to take a breather. <laughs> One moment. Okay, yeah, I took a, I took a breath, literally a breath. And I just wanted to make a clear cut from the the questions where I didn't want to say jack shit besides just popping off, I was like literally clutch god. Like I was, I was clutch god when he hosts tournaments. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is such good content. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, that was that was phenomenal. I'm really I I can't use that as the standard. I don't think I'll be I'll disappoint myself. Um, but we're we're gonna we're gonna turn that into some some good shit. Whew. All right, so. How'd you like those questions? I, I could actually use a little yeah, feedback. Yeah, they were fun. I thought they were different from what people normally ask me, which is nice. Cool. I thought they really gave me a chance to, like, show aspects of myself that are more of, like, my human side as a competitor, which was nice. Great. Yeah, we wanted to get a little a little wide with it. Um, we did spend a good amount of time uh, thinking about it, and um, huge shout-outs to Wasabi. 
as always, for me and him are our tag team in this event. So, because now, now officially we're back on pure the wannabes uh, content here. We are we're off the the synergistic branding. Um, but there's some things I wanted to to kind of follow up with you on, um, especially in that last set. So, Mutu King as a mentor, huh? That was the that was the the strongest the strongest mentor in your in your mind. Yes, I I really think Mutu King was the person who inspired me to play and all that. And I watched so many vods of Mutu King playing. It's how I do my ledge stall. It's how I do my ledge dashes. It's formative to the way I punish. <laughs> Mutu King was a huge inspiration to me. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, have you guys uh, linked up and and do you, do you chat with him ever? Yeah, I talk to him. Um, we follow each other on Twitter and that kind of thing. Um, we talk about. Uh, I was supposed to be analyzing some of his games with Plup because he really wants me to like figure out like what he did wrong against Plup and talk to him about it. Hmm. How does that feel to be able to to be a valuable um, uh, associate to to players that you admired so you know when you were such a young kid and now you're DMing them and and being part of their own process to improve. <laughs> I was really tempted to say. <laughs> Yeah, Jason's cool. Jason's educated, by the way. No top players <laughs> like that. I'm, but, glad, I'm glad you did, at least. <laughs> but basically, it, it's like, it feels surreal at times, but you kind of get used to it, and then it's just like, these are just people. These are normal people, just like <laughs> you and me. Like, they're people with their own aspirations. They have their ways of talking. They're pretty chill. I don't know. They're very interesting people. I think the top players are very, very cool people. They all, they're all kind of like oddballs in their own ways. Sure. They're all very strange people, and I love them. I love, I love like really strange people like that. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, everyone's everyone who's good at melee is like the is like the uh, my hero civilization. Everyone's got their quirks. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all <laughs> kind of perfectionists too, which I appreciate. Oh yeah, and kind of tying into that. And what we're talking about earlier with the empathetic side of melee, I think one tip I would give myself or something I'm actually still internalizing is exactly that, that you're playing people, right? And when we see players on stream a lot or we see a bunch of their clips or we know that they're top 100, top 50, whatever, um, it's almost like a, a dehumanization that we do. It's, yeah. It's like it, it is the problem with celebrity culture. There's a lot of other problems with it. But when it comes to getting the w and and facing them in bracket um the plot plot armor is real but it's not because someone wrote a script it's because we write narratives in our own head about the grandeur of these players how untouchable they are you know and and i'm curious as someone who has broken through to that echelon especially you know the past year or two what was that transition like did you did you ever struggle with because i know breaking into the top 100 was a big plateau right so so or breaking into getting those wins i should say was a huge plateau um did you f how did that feel to, to transition into being able to pick up the w's okay so it's kind of cringe but i was one of those people that idolized top players like crazy uh <laughs> i think we all were at some point kind of but really i, I was um once I beat my first one, I was like, oh, these people are fallible. Yeah. And then I, I jumped on that. That was my moment. When I talk about, like, moments that you jump on, 
when like I think life is really like, kind of like a series of moments that present itself to you and it's about whether you take it or not defining and moments my dad would always call it defining moments you take it and you hold it and you don't let go of it that's what I did when I found out that I could beat a top player I was like oh and I, I completely recentered myself around figuring out what I did to beat that one top player and once I figured out what to do what I did to beat that one top player I made it my entire training routine all I did was top player focused um like it was entirely focused on beating top players. <laughs> wow. Smart. So I, 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 cha I changed my practice routine completely in order to do what I did that one set I beat a top player. Because the first time I beat a top player, I got lucky. It was luck. I was not, I was not the better player. I got lucky. <laughs> I, I ha they happened to be on a bad day and I happened to be on a good day. Right. Stars aligned, that kind of thing. But once I looked back at that set and I figured out, oh, I did this right, I did this right, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. Then my training routine became, oh, do these new things right, do these new things better, get perfect at these things, and you will beat top players. That's where my microspacing started, because the first top players I started to beat were when I was playing heavy microspacing games, so I completely focused on that. That was where my reaction tech chasing came from, because I realized that the sets that I was losing were due to me not using up throw correctly. Uh, using it too early percent, so I had to I had to find a way to damage them before the up throw. So that's why I started F throw reaction tech chasing, and then I was like, oh, I can just continue doing this, <laughs> and that that became like a discovery for me. That was like, a, oh, I could do this thing. Sorry, I'm just checking. I'm checking my camera. Yeah, okay. I, th I heard a bump, and I live with my grandmother, so I'm like, let's check the the cameras we have to make sure that wasn't <laughs> my no, grandmother falling. But yeah, great. Um. I I love that because it makes it just adds up so much to what you've been saying already. It, it really fills in this like what what was it that I think we all see players. You know, there are players that probably started at the same time as you, or maybe for me, I came up before IBDW and Two Saints, so I I beat them when they were kids kids, quote unquote. IBDW was the same age as me, yeah. but when they were just starting, and then I saw the kind of rise past where I was and never looking back, right? And mm. there's a it's it's surreal to see all these barriers around um the I guess celebrity culture is a very loaded term, but that aura around top players melt away just bit by bit or like you see them interact or they they come to your regional or something and you actually see someone in person and you're like, "Oh, you're not 6 foot 10." Uh, you're a normal size like person in, like, halo <laughs> right right our brain does these really weird things especially when we're young like college and pre-college it's it's very much like this is this was like all i knew about these top players were that there were we call them gods and demigods it was so it's so weird um and yeah learning how to beat them and learning how to treat them like just players like just other humans that hold a controller and press buttons um it's a, a crazy difficult thing and that i think that is the sole argument um because that's it's a bit of study but it's also a bit of um an internal hurdle it's really difficult to, to get over for me how i got over that hurdle was i basically showed my opponents so much respect that I wouldn't feel bad about losing to them and I would feel really good about winning to them. So, 
I I basically rigged my soul risk reward in my favor. <laughs> so like if I lost, it was like, oh, they're a really good player. They earned it. Nice job. If I win, it's like, oh, they're a really good player. I earned this. Yeah. Nice job, me. <laughs> I love that. I do something very similar where um, if I lose to someone, I'll I'll say like, yo, you're dope. And I know you're dope because I'm dope. And you just beat me or you took a game off me or something like that. I, I love dishing out compliments to that because and that that is a really good approach towards players that are newer or players that, you know, you you are above that are gunning for your spot where you give them respect and you say, OK, I, you know, I didn't I, I two stock this person twice. I two stock three stock. They took stocks off me. Um, good for them because that means they're working hard, too. And even though I'm above them right now that is that also prevents you from being um too shook by an upset or or too caught off guard early in the set and you have to play catch up because you didn't you know someone you didn't know the tag of is doing crazy crap and cheesing you out you know what i mean um mm -hmm. it's it's kind of both sides of that because as much as we're looking above and and poking at the heels of of the top players we are on that treadmill we are there's other players gunning for our spots and and gunning for our spot in quarterfinals all that stuff is is a uh, part of the equation i think it's just like everyone has a story you know and melee is kind of this act of creation and destruction in that like people's storylines kind of drop off sometimes and every bracket run you do in this game you are kind of like fighting with the dreams of every single person you fight in that run. Um, it's like it's a battle of wills at its finest. So I really appreciate about it. Oh yeah, wow. But there's a quote that I love. It's my favorite quote. I was thinking about doing a video essay on it. It's um, every moment of beauty, every moment of triumph. For it's for every moment of beauty, every moment of triumph, a thousand souls must be trampled. I thought that was a really like powerful quote. Yeah. Because it, it really applies to bracket runs. You are directly <laughs> you are directly an obstacle in the stories of other people. And in a bracket. And more often than not, and honestly, ninety nine percent of players get trampled. In uh, you know that's part of being a top player too is being happy with getting trampled but by <laughs> good player what were your losses is the typical uh how did you do in bracket the real question of how did you do in bracket because placing yeah. is one thing who'd you lose to you know that's uh <laughs> that's part of the that's part of everyone everyone except for the winner i think being a top player is hard in the regards that people stop asking you what are your wins and people start asking you what are your losses <laughs> so it's like you can't yeah. lose anymore it's just like oh i can't lose this set versus jflex who is top 100 now oh i can't lose this set versus zamu who is top 50 now oh i can't <laughs> like it just keeps going up like I, you have to be perfect <laughs> it's like it's what it encourages yeah that's a lot of pressure but um i really i i really enjoyed this hearing your perspective on on your come up and kind of what your background is it brings a lot of context to the to the marth you know because because obviously i'm a big fan of your gameplay and there's only so many opportunities to learn about the player themselves you know it's it's been really interesting and, and i want to give you a few minutes here at the end 
um, anything, any, any loose ends that you, that came up, they didn't have an opportunity to say, or anything that's been on your mind. And of course, let's talk about summit real quick. Let's get that summit plug in. Cause <laughs> there's, uh, there's some work to do there. So what do you got for me? Okay. <laughs> Please vote me into Smash Summit. Oh my God. Okay. So I, ever since the very first Smash Summit, I have literally been dreaming. I've had dreams about being at Smash Summit. It's so silly, but I want to go so bad. I want to go more than every other player in that list combined. Specifically because it's not due to the status. It's not due. It's not due to any of that. Why I want to go is. Specifically to get that practice versus people that I wouldn't be able to play in real life normally. So, because I live in such a remote and isolated region, like, even my net play doesn't work half the time. It, it lags too much to use. So I just have to play in CPUs. I am still, like, you can debate it, but I am probably top 20 level. Someone did an algorithm analysis on it, and I was number 20 exactly. Um, but... The thing is, if I am that level without people to play with, imagine how good I will be once I get that actual real-life training for four days or however long it is with all these like great players. And really, I think if you give me the opportunity to go to Smash Summit, I will be number one in the world within a couple years. I honestly believe that. I don't think I'm the greatest player in the world. I don't think I have natural talent or some sort of thing that makes me just naturally better than everyone else. But I have determination and drive and perfectionism to the point where it's a double-edged sword at times. <laughs> but I will put in the work if you vote me in. I will put in so much work and Honestly, if I get voted in, I think I'm crying on stream. I, I think I'm legitimately going to cry on stream. So you get a Twitch clip of that, at least, if you want some Twitch clip tips. <laughs> but please vote me in. I've never been. I've never been, unlike like, all the other people there. And also, if you want to see people beat Zane, I will coach your favorite player to beat Zane. I am a Marth man. I can help your favorite player beat Zane. <laughs> if you Huge. want one of the Falcons to beat Zane. Huge call out. I love that. <laughs> one of the Falcons? Alright, alright. So uh not good. Any of them. Any any player, if you don't <laughs> to the well, Zane me, haters. I'll, 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 to the Zane haters, I am your boy. <laughs> I know I mean Marth, but that's perfect. I can train your favorite player from Zane. You wanna see Mango beat Zane? Sure. We'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll get on that. I'll be, I'll be C9 LSE for a time, the time being, the entire duration of Summit. <laughs> Please vote um, me in. <laughs> I want it so bad. <laughs> dude, I, I, I'm pulling for you. I am so hooked into your campaign now. All it took was one hour listening to, to everything you had to offer, and what a disgustingly good interview. Oh, my God. I'm still like, whew, I'm still reeling. I need to take a break. Um, thank you so much. I, I can't wait to see how everything goes. Can't wait to see you play in the big one and just where your career goes. It's going to be, it's going to be really special. Yeah, I am so looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on. It's really been a pleasure.
I love the questions you gave me. I think they were very, very good. Uh, this is my favorite like Smash interview I've been on, so thank you for having me on. Let's go, Clutchbox! <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs>